0: Climinal Spaces was a six-year, welcome-funded project at Edinburgh Law School which scrutinized regulatory systems that support human health research. The vision of the project was to deliver the first-ever integrated, interdisciplinary and cross-cutting analysis of health research regulation by confronting the gaps between documented law, relevant ethical and social theories and concepts, and research practice. To mark the end of the project in March 2021, the Principal Investigator, Professor Graham Laurie, sat down with members of the Liminal Spaces team to discuss their research findings.
1: Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Liminal Spaces Project on the regulation of the human embryo. I'm Graham Laurie, Principal Investigator on the project, and I'm very pleased to be joined by one of my colleagues, Katrina McMillan, who's just published a book on the topic with Cambridge University Press, which is available open access format. Hi, Katie, welcome.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for coming. So Katie, as a first question, can you tell us um, about why you decided to focus your research on the human embryo and also, how that fits with the overall aims of this project.
2: And so, something that really bothered me um, was that the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Act, which is the act which regulates the creation, use, and storage of in vitro embryos in the UK, amongst sort other of things, um, the intellectual basis of that act um, was created in the 1980s by the Warnock Committee and the subsequent Warnock Report. Um, which looked at the kind of ethical considerations that we might need regulating the human embryo. Um, and so the act in question came into force in 1990. And, and since then, um, you know, now in 2021, the intellectual basis behind that act had never really been revisited. And that act, um, as many people know, affords not specifically, um, but implicitly the embryo in vitro uh, special status but the, what the nature is of that special status, um, what it means and whether um, it still stands today, over 30 years later, kind of comes into question now, I think, particularly considering how much things have changed since the 1980s and, and 1990. And so that was the thing that really bothered me um at the beginning um was the, the amount of time that had passed since the thinking behind that had taken place and so that's what really got me into this uh research because in 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 my mind the embryo and and the kind of legal moral social connotations surrounding it today considering how fast that science has moved on since then that embryo is not necessarily the same embryo that it was when it was discussed in the 1980s by the by the Warnett committee and the other thing that bothered me, I think, when I was starting out was that the way in which we form family bonds and you know social stigmas surrounding different kinds of family units have changed so much since that was created. And of course, the purpose of that act, the Human Fertilisation Embryology Act, is family making as well as research. And of course, much of that research goes toward um, improving um, new ways of family making through artificial reproduction. So that was another thing that really bothered me, and so law is famously criticised for failing to keep up with scientific developments. I think that's something that we hear quite a lot, um, particularly in our field. But the fact still remains that when it comes to in vitro embryos and all the practices that the law currently around uh, allows surrounding it, are in essence regulating for processes not only processes that can change quite a lot as science develops, but also the embryo itself is something that goes through a lot of processes of change. And so that's why um, my research fit quite well into the liminal aspect of this project.
1: Okay, we'll come back to the liminal aspect in just a second. So um, can I just sort of pursue that avenue about how the law allows us to treat the embryo when it comes to research? what What are the rules that were put down in the 1990 Act and which have not been changed since, because it has been amended, that legislation, but not with respect to the research and the, and the limits on the on the research of the embryo. So tell us a little bit more about the, the rules around that.
2: Yeah, so um, in the deliberations behind the 1990 Act, it was decided that a degree of respect, in inverted commas, should be afforded to in vitro embryos when we are researching on them. And so they came to the conclusion that around the 14 day mark, so 14 days from um, uh, conception, is about the right time to stop carrying out research on embryos in order to kind of show that kind of marker of respect. And that is because at around the 14 day mark, we know that embryos develop the primitive streak which is the very first signs of the growth of um, the nervous system and all sorts of things um, and so we still have that and this is what we call the 14-day rule so you know before 14 days research carried out on embryos must cease um, and it's it's been quite a hard and fast rule that's been duplicated all over the world and of course that's not really changed at all since the act came into force but um, quite recently of course there was an advancement so Up until quite recently, no one actually really managed to keep an embryo in vitro alive for up to 14 days. But um, relatively recently, some uh, team um, in the UK, in fact, managed to keep an embryo in vitro alive for up to 13 days. And um, that, of course, threw everything up in the air and called into question as to whether we need to extend that rule so we can find out more about what happens to embryos beyond the 14 day mark. Um, what people have called the kind of black box of development. Hmm.
1: So this is picking up on what you referred to earlier on as these scientific developments. So it wasn't really a big problem for regulation if we couldn't do anything beyond 14 days anyway. But now that science has sort of moved up to and is looking if it's going to go past that limit as to keeping embryos alive and therefore being able to do research on them, then the question arises, what what should the law do to, to catch up, if, if indeed it should?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, surrounding that kind of advancement, there was a lot of debate as to whether the law should be at least revisited. Um, but, um, you know, strong voices in the field were saying that we shouldn't even do that because at the time when the Act came into force, because of people that um you know or groups that think that we should not carry out research on embryos at all for for various reasons um apparently the whole endeavor was nearly shut down and because of fear of that happening again The debate around extending the 14-day rule actually didn't—I don't think it lasted for very long. Um, But it's a debate that's worth having, which is something that I've argued at least worth having. So
1: you also mentioned the biological processes that the embryo goes through. So, is there—and you mentioned the primitive streak and the development of the the earliest stages of the um, uh, central nervous system. But is 14 days defensible scientifically, as opposed to 13 days or 15 days, or? Is it a little bit arbitrary? It is
2: quite arbitrary, and I think what, even when it was put into place, um, and I think Mary Warnock, who obviously um, headed up the committee since, admitted that it, in, an, in a way it's kind of arbitrary because we could say 13 or 15 or 16 days. But I guess it is a line in the, a line in the sand which at the time they felt they needed to put into place to act as what I've called in my research as a legal comfort blanket to... Kind of allay the fears that we might be regular, we um, might be researching on embryos up until a point where they might feel pain, um, and so that's why they put the marker around that kind of nervous system development point. So it is, and it is. isn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's all, it, as you say, it's, it's very much a bright line. So it doesn't. The law, as it's currently constructed, doesn't take account of these biological or scientific processes of development you've, that you've mentioned. So how would you describe the research problem then that we're facing about how to regulate the embryo and how has your research reimagined possible approaches to all of this?
2: So I think what I would say is that the, I think, like I've said, the, the, le- the embryo and the legal and moral and social connotations surrounding it is not necessarily the same embryo that we had in 1990 or you know 1985 when the intellectual um, discussions around it um, were happening. and. The 1990 Act is quite a static and unchanging piece of legislation, not necessarily with what it regulates, but with respect to the underpinning um, ethical basis of it, particularly with respect to the elusive legal status of the embryo. While that act is unchanging, our social and scientific understanding of embryos are not. So for me, that was the key. Problem.
1: Okay, and and what, what was it about your approach that you think has helped us to reimagine this type of that problem?
2: My approach, um, of course, used the lens of liminality, um, which helps us to better understand the different transformations and processes at play here. And there's lots of different processes at play here from, um, you know, the literal physical processes that embryos go through, um, to regulatory processes, um, to also scientific processes. Um, and what I've argued is that there is an intellectual mismatch between the inherent processual and kind of transformative evolutionary nature of any feature embryos and the kind of static way in which the framework has treated the in vitro embryo. And so in terms of reimagining possible approaches, um, liminality um, for my work has had a lot to say about how we regulate embryos. And so one big contribution of this work was to provide ways to think about how we navigate law and these processes I've been talking about, which are governed by law to bring more insights into regulating um, for such an uncertain, um, changing field. Uh, So the way of thinking um, that I offer in my research pulls away from the kind of fixedness and staticness um, of the kind of regulation that we have at moment at the moment under this act because I think embryos are truly fixed in time under this framework and encourages the acknowledgement of the multiplicity, the multiplicity of futures that we in fact already regulate for under the act. So for example, the process that regulated for includes making, so if an embryo is created in, in vitro, it might be decidedly a research embryo and it'll only ever be used for research and be disposed of or it might be um, created for reproductive purposes, but later on in the process donated to research or maybe used for reproduction. So there's lots of different futures that we already regulate for. And my approach encourages embracing that and the different ends that embryos might meet under the regulatory setting that we have. And also depending, um, of course, on the development of science, perhaps ways to embrace newer different futures that we might want to regulate for or I mean or against even um, in the future perhaps things like in vitro gametogenesis or ectogenesis.
1: So you mentioned um, liminality earlier on can you just say a little bit more about what that means and how that approach helped inform your your take on regulation of the embryo because some uh, listeners might not really know what liminality is and certainly not how you applied it to, to the embryo. Um,
2: so liminality is often used to understand and examine those that occupy and kind of transgress these delineated social spaces. Um, it was used originally um, to examine um, rituals and rites of passage in tribal communities. Um, and it's inherently concerned with better understanding um. The nature and the processes of becoming something. So it could be from um, becoming from child to adulthood or becoming unmarried to married, these kind of processes. And so in my research, uh, this analytical lens was employed to understand embryos as processual entities. Um, and they are indeed inherently very processual entities. They're, it's a stage of human life at which. Um, human beings change the most rapidly and evolve the most rapidly. Um, And so I wanted to look more closely at how regulation interacts with that process. And I found that there's a bit of an intellectual disconnect between the very processual nature of the embryo and the way that law tends to kind of segment and categorise things. And so law has made a considerable effort to clarify different categories of things that it governs um, and we've talked about that elsewhere in the projects in the project from things like data and tissues and organs and, and embryos of course but these lines i would say um i think especially for embryos are very blurred and so that liminality as a lens emphasizes that early human life is a process from conception to birth and and on and beyond of course and begs the question as to whether regulation in this area operates well or whether it can even be improved. And I would say that it also, liminality as a lens implies that law needs more than just legal reasoning um, and legal thinking to adequately, adequately reflect what it regulates here with the embryo. And we need a way to Move between and maybe even beyond the kind of legal spaces and categories that we have, for example, the embryo in vitro um, or the special status, when there's so much transformation going on here and of course, when I say transformation, I don't mean just the transformation of the embryos, but also scientific and social transformation happens around the practice that the act regulates,
1: yeah, so you mentioned before that there's there's biological processes there's scientific processes. Um, and it sounds like what you're, you're, you're saying here is by fixing a rule like the 14-day rule for research embryos, there's a, a, a disconnect between the realities of the processes that are going on um, and how the loss sees the embryo. And yet you also mentioned there's different types of embryo that the law creates, whether they be research embryos or whether they be reproductive uh, embryos. And Of course, the reproductive ones do go through the full developmental process towards implantation and birth. So that disconnect, I think, is that's really troubled you and liminality helps you to understand what it means to take a processual approach to uh, understanding the problem. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a really big disconnect here because ultimately, I think, you know, under the under the Act, embryos can you know evolve and, and um, be implanted and, and become a fetus and a, and a baby and a person. But the other option is for them just to be disposed of. And so to still hold them under this um, unitary special legal status doesn't seem very intellectually defensible, and particularly not now, and that it's been such a long time since that act came into force when that act came into force all of this technology was very new and people were very scared about it but things are different now
1: yeah absolutely and also i mean as you've been sort of hinting at at various points in our discussion the the construction of the embryo in law is it's a myth it's 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 an understanding of 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 an entity and whether it be the research embryo whether it be the reproduction embryo yeah um so there are effectively multiple embryos created in, in in law and I think that's what's also been revealed by your research and, and, and uh, your uh, exploration of the topic. But what, what are the, conc- the concrete implications of that, Katie, for regulation or seeing, seeing the, the world that way?
2: I think it suggests that we perhaps cannot necessarily ignore the irreversible thresholds that embryos can pass through under the framework we already have in place. I mean, this is without even thinking, rethinking the law or rethinking what, we might, what kind of technologies we might want. So, for example, when a research becomes decidedly a research embryo by virtue of being that research embryo on a research pathway, um, whether it was created for research or donated to research um, under that HFE Act, um, that process cannot end in anything other than being thrown away. And so recognising that, for one, I think could potentially have the implication of justifying an extension to the 14 day rule um, you know, subject to proper public deliberation and all the things that we need for, in order to um, have trust in, in scientific endeavors, of course. But I think that is definitely one implication that we might have. And I think another thing that arose out of um, the liminal analysis is liminality literature talks a lot about the importance of human experience. Um, And so it led me to thinking in my research about who, you know, the the law is very focused on the embryo, almost like a free floating entity. But in order for any of these processes that I've talked about to take place, for those embryos to even be created or to be disposed of or to be a research embryo or to be implanted and become a person, it requires a lot of different actors um, to lead embryos through those processes and so I think another key implication um, of this would be to highlight further and maybe not highlight, but acknowledge further the interests and needs of those actors, and I'm thinking particularly of perhaps people who donate their embryos to research, whether they might have an interest in knowing what you know what comes out of research on their embryos. And so I think, in short, there's potential for more involvement. Of these different actors in these processes, and in the research that takes place, and I guess to go back to my first point, actually, it might eventually, if we're thinking of acknowledging that we do treat research embryos and reproductive embryos quite differently, perhaps it might mean that we need separate statuses um, for embryos that are decidedly one type or another, in in recognition of the intellectual disconnect between having an all-encompassing special status for all embryos and the reality of the practices that we regulate
1: so katie from everything you say um you're focused on, on different types of process whether you're talking about biological processes or scientific processes or even regulatory processes and um, that implies that we need to take a processual approach to to regulation and indeed that's one of the main themes that's come out of our project um, and for listeners who are interested in knowing more about that, we've written a concept note, which is available on our website. But for you, Katie, what does it mean to take a processual approach for the embryo? And what are the implications of that?
2: So to take a processional approach to the embryo, I think means that we need to acknowledge, um, as I've said, the different um, types of scientific processes that can occur under fr- the framework that we have and the implications of those processes, not only for um, the embryo itself for so for example acknowledging that we might dispose of embryos or that we um, you know might you know implant an embryo and it might eventually become a person um, but also like I've said the, the role of actors in those processes and the interests of those actors in those processes and it might mean that we might want to um, enable um, research, you know, people that donate their eggs or their embryos um, to be able to um, have more of a, um, a stronger role in what happens to their um, donations, or you know, even just find out more about what happens as a result of the research. And I think overall, it might mean that we need to be a little bit more honest about all these different processes that are, are at play when we're regulating um, in the regulation that we have of in vitro embryos and the realities of the different pathways and processes that embryos are led through under this framework. And so a processual approach is a processual approach to regulating embryos, but also a processual approach to embryo regulation more generally. Um, and I think, taking it up a level looking at regulation more generally it suggests that this law can't really remain static and the law in in such a, a changing and transformational field that's so full of all these different processes and transformations and law itself here has to evolve as to the boundaries that we set within those frameworks as our understanding of embryos and social connection changes
1: excellent Katie, thank you so much. Um, For anybody who's interested in hearing more about uh, Katie's thoughts on the regulation of the human embryo, um, a reminder that she's published her monograph, which is available open access via our website. But for now, Katie, just want to say to you, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Liminal Spaces podcast. To learn more about the project and to listen to the full series, please visit us at www.liminalspaces.ed.ac.uk. This has been a production of Edinburgh Law School at the University of Edinburgh.